0: Ah, Hallelujah, praise God, praise God. Tomorrow is um, outreach, so uh, we are going to look into some scriptures that is going to help us and build us up, hallelujah, in sharing the gospel, in how to share it effectively, what is the the right way of doing it, hallelujah. So let's just go to um, Matthew chapter 16, sorry, Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16, we will read from verse 15 to 20. Mark 16 verses 15 to 20. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. They shall take up serpents and if they drink up any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and the sick shall recover. So then uh, the Lord has spoken to them He was received received into heaven and sat on the right hand of God. They went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. I think I missed out some part in my notes. Hallelujah. But who is speaking here? Jesus. He is telling his disciples to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Alright, so it is a commandment from the Lord Himself. Let's look at Matthew 10. Matthew 10 verses 7 and 8. Jesus is saying, As you go, preach, saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, cast out devils. Freely you have received and freely give. So again, you see another command from Him. Hallelujah. He said, as you go, preach. Preach that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then let's chantee. We'll read verse 21. It says, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, and as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. Look at that. He said, Go, but how did He send us? He said, As my Father sent me, the same way I am sending you. The same way that Jesus was sent by the Father, the same manner He is sending us. So whatever Jesus came with from the Father, He gave it to us and then He sent us. We are not going empty handed. Hallelujah. Let's look at Acts chapter 28 verse 28. Acts 28 verses 28 says Be it known therefore unto you that the salvation of God is sent unto the Gentiles and that they will hear it So that means the Gentiles Who are the Gentiles? Unbelievers it says the salvation is sent for them and they will hear it How will they hear? When somebody preaches Hallelujah Somebody preaches. So that's why Jesus sent us to go and preach the gospel to every creature. Hallelujah. So we need to know how to share this effectively. Hallelujah. So let's look at some scriptures here. Why do we share the gospel? Romans chapter 3 verse 23 Romans chapter 3 verse 23 Scripture says, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All. All means all. Everybody. Every person born on the earth is born with the sin nature in their flesh. That's why children, you don't have to teach them to disobey. You don't have to teach them to do naughty things. You don't have to teach them to lie. Why are they doing it? Because the sin nature is in their flesh. They are born with Adam's fallen nature. Every person born after Adam is born with Adam's image and likeness. That is the fallen nature. Hallelujah. So that's why scripture says all have sinned. I mean you may not be a serial killer or a rapist or somebody who uh, who has done very nasty things. No. But you still, you are born in sin. The magnitude of what you've done outside may not be the same as somebody else. But we all have that nature inside us. Some people are good in suppressing it, so they might think they might consider themselves to be self-righteous. Oh, I didn't do that sin, I didn't kill anybody, so I'm not that bad. They might think like that, but the truth is, they have the sin nature in them, in their flesh. Hallelujah. So what is the solution? What is, what is happening? We saw Romans 3.23. Let's look at Romans chapter 6, verse 23. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. But the earlier scripture says, All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And what's the result of sin? It says here, the wages of sin is death. Death means separation from God. Separation from God. You are separated from God. When Adam sinned, his spirit was separated from the life of God. He died spiritually. And then when, he, when you die physically, your spirit is separated from God for eternity. That's why you need to be born again so here it says but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord hallelujah so that's the reason we have to share the gospel all are under sin Scripture, there's a scripture that says for scripture has confirmed all under sin so we are born with that nature so Jesus came he's the word that became flesh he came He finished the purpose, died on the cross, paid the price for our sin. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, He who knew no sin became sin. He became sin so today we can be the righteousness of God. He became our sin. So that's why we have to share the gospel. A very famous scripture, John 3:16 For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Whoever believes in Him will not perish. The meaning of perish is completely destroyed, utterly separated from God. It's talking about eternal death. Whoever believes in Him will not be separated from God for eternity, but have everlasting life or eternal life. That means you are connected to the life of God and you are with God forever. That's why Jesus came. That's why God sent Jesus. And then Jesus said, I am sending you as he sent me. Hallelujah. So, one, one, good, one good thing about scripture is, whatever we need, it is already given to us. All things. Whatever we need. Hallelujah. So, let's look at some scriptures here. Yeah? Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, verse 8. It says, But you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem, in all Judea, in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. See, here Jesus is saying, you shall receive power after them upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem, in Judea, Samaria, and uttermost parts of the earth. See, here you see, where, you, where are you supposed to be the witness? To the uttermost parts of the earth. In the earlier scripture, Jesus said, go and preach the gospel to every creature. Isn't it? So, the condition is, you go to the uttermost part, that means everywhere. Jesus said, as you go, preach. So it's our responsibility to preach the gospel. Now to preach it, He's done something for us. Here it says, you shall receive power. Power. Alright. When? And for what? It says, after the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. So when will you be a witness? after the Holy Ghost has come. Now the question here is, who is speaking? Jesus. When is He speaking? Before His death? Or after His death? After His resurrection? When is He speaking? You look at the context, He is speaking after His resurrection. He spent 40 days with the believers, with His disciples. And after that, He is giving them instructions Just before He is leaving. He is ascending to heaven. So the next scripture as you read, you see He ascended. Verse 9. He ascended to heaven to sit at the right hand of God the Father. Alright? So here He said, you will receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you and then you will be witnesses unto Me. Now the question is, what is the meaning of being a witness? Witness. Who is a witness? Witness. Where do you hear the word witness the most in a court case, in a court scenario? And what, is the, what does the witness do? What is the purpose of a witness? Witness means, for example, imagine a court. You see the judge sitting in the main, the center, then you have two boxes. One box where the accused sits and the other is called the witness box. And the accused person, let's consider somebody's accused of stealing something. And then in the witness box, the advocate calls a person and says he's the witness. So what does the witness do? He asks him, did you see him steal? And then he says, yes, I saw. Now what does his words do? What this person says is adding weight. ...to what is being said. When he said, yes, I saw... ...that means the accusation... ...now got more weight on it. It can't be denied. Yes or no? Are you seeing that? That's the power of the witness. When what the witness testifies... ...adds weight... ...to what is being said. So that makes it... ...even more important. So now, right now... ...he said, Jesus is saying... And you shall be witnesses unto me. So, witnesses about whom? Jesus. Now, about what are you witnessing about? Are you witnessing that Jesus died for you? Is it about Jesus uh, Jesus who came, who did good work and he died, he was buried? Is that what you are witnessing about? What is the scenario here? The scenario here is he died, on the third day he rose again. Who is speaking? Is it the dead Jesus or the resurrected Jesus? The resurrected Jesus is speaking. The resurrected Jesus is speaking and he is saying you will be witnesses about the resurrected me, not the dead Jesus. You are witnesses about a Jesus who is resurrected, alive and is still saving people. That's the witness you are being. That's the witness you are called to be. You are a witness of a resurrected Jesus. A Jesus who defeated death, who is alive and now transforming the the lives of people. That's the witness you are are being. Now you can say, well, those people, they all saw him resurrected. All the disciples. Now, scripture says, as you see, about 500 people saw him resurrected. Or 500. You can say all those people saw with their eyes. Now today, you and me, all of us, if I ask, has any any of us seen Jesus? No. Did you see him on the cross? No. Did you see him die? No. Did you see him resurrected? No. Then how can you be a witness? What are you witnessing about? See, that's a good question. Isn't that a good question? You are being a witness. Jesus said, you will be a witness in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria and uttermost parts of the earth. And that's an eternal commandment. As long as people are on the earth, they are supposed to be a witness. Now Jesus came. He died long back. So many other people saw him resurrected. We don't know. We didn't see him resurrected. It is documented here in the book that he, was, he had resurrected. What did we do? We just believed. But when you are sharing the gospel with someone, what are you witnessing? You are witnessing that Jesus is alive. But how can you witness? You did not see, you did not touch him. At least we can say Matthew got the opportunity to put his hand in Jesus' wounds. But you didn't see him. You didn't touch him. Now how can you believe? How can you share... (coughs) I'm I'm sorry. How can you share about a Jesus to somebody whom you have not seen yourself, whom you did not touch, you did not see him on the cross. How can you share? Now, is this, will this be accepted in a court of law today? They'll say, you're a false witness. They'll say, you're a false witness. People can accuse you. How can you say that? Did you see? What answer do you have? That's why he said, you will receive power to be a witness power to be a witness let's look at another scripture Luke chapter 24 verse 49 Jesus said and behold I send the promise of my father upon you but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be Endued with power from on high. This power that you need to be a witness. He told them in Acts 1 8, he said, Do not go anywhere till you receive this power. After you receive the power, then you shall be a witness. That means this power he's talking about has something to do with sharing the gospel, being a witness. You need this power. Why? Why? Let's see what happened to Jesus. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the holy ghost and with power how god anointed jesus of nazareth with the holy ghost and with power so that means when jesus received the holy spirit upon him right after he was baptized in water he received the holy spirit came upon him in bodily form we can read that and i think in luke chapter 3 i said then something happened he received power and after he received power what did he do let's continue then it says, he went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. Look at that. What did he do after he received power? Went about doing good, healing the sick. Setting people who are oppressed of the devil free. And read the next verse, verse 39. And it says, and we are witnesses. You see that w- word? We are witnesses of all the things He did. Look at that. So they are witnesses of what Jesus did after the Holy Ghost came upon Him with power. Now Jesus said in 1 John 4.17 As He is, so are we in this world. As He is. As who? Jesus. So are we right now in this world. Now Jesus received Holy Ghost and power and went about doing some certain things. And He told us, you don't go anywhere till you receive this power. And then only you will be witnesses. Are you seeing this? So something happens. Something happens when you receive the power. Hallelujah. Romans chapter 15. Romans chapter 15 verse 18 and 19 we'll read Romans 15 verses 18 and 19 it says for I will not dare to speak of any of those things which Christ has not wrought by me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed through mighty signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God do you see that? What happened by the power of the Spirit of God? Mighty signs and wonders. See, what did Jesus go about doing when he received the Holy Ghost and power? Went about doing good, healing the sick, setting those people who are oppressed of the devil free, cleanse the lepers, gave sight to the blind, did all the miracles. And then he is telling us to wait for the power. When the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And now here, Paul is writing to Romans about the power. What is it about the power? What happens when the power comes upon you? Mighty signs and wonders. Why? Why? People can question you. You go to share and share the gospel with someone You tell them, oh Jesus is alive, He's here to save you He loves you so much, He wants to save you, He wants to set you free But what proof do you have? What is the proof that you can give them? That's the power Now imagine, you went (coughs) I'm sorry There was a sick person, unbeliever You went there, you spoke about Jesus to him You laid hands on him and prayed for him and then what happened? When He got healed. When he got healed, now who did the healing? You or Jesus? Jesus did the healing. When you pray for the sick, when you lay hands on the the blind, when they recover, who did it? Jesus did. Now when that healing happens, do you need any other proof? No. When the manifestation of the power happens, you do not need any other proof. When the blind start seeing, when the deaf start hearing, when the lame start walking, when the dead is raised, when the lepers are cleansed, you don't need any other proof. Every question will be answered. That's why we need power. That's why Jesus said, do not go. Till you receive the power and when you receive the power, you will be a real witnesses of the resurrected Jesus. He is resurrected, he is alive, that's why he is healing the sick. That's why the lepers are cleansed, that's why the blind is seeing. Because who is doing it? Jesus is doing it. Then they will they will not have many questions for you. They will not have a choice, they will have to admit, yes this is Jesus. Because you tell them, hey it's not me, I'm just an ordinary man. It is Jesus who is alive who used me to bless you. I am just a witness for Him. I have received power to save you. Are you understanding this? So how is this power manifested? Let's look at that. Acts 1 verse 8 we read. Hallelujah. We read verse 8. And in Luke chapter 24 verse 49, we read... That Jesus said, I will send the promise of my Father upon you. That you will be endued with power. Luke 24 verse 49. Alright, He said, I will send the promise of my Father upon you. And then in Acts chapter 2 verse 1, that promise is being fulfilled. Acts chapter 2, verse 1 onwards, you will see. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a... (coughs) 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 Sorry. From heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues as of fire and it sat upon each of them and they were all Filled with the Holy Ghost and they began to speak with other tongues <coughs> Sorry. Gave them utterance Look at that the promise of the father was being fulfilled on the day of Pentecost The Holy Spirit was sent the promise of the father was sent Jesus sent the Holy Spirit and what was the result? How did they know that the Holy Spirit came upon them? What is the evidence that the Holy Spirit came upon them? The evidence is, it's not the tongues of fire. The evidence is, they all began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Yes, He came, there were tongues of fire on on all of them, but that is not the evidence. The evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is that they all began to speak with other tongues. You look through the scripture, Book of Acts. We see, we see, we see, in verse four we saw. Let's look at Acts chapter ten. Acts chapter ten. Let me open that. The last. We'll read from verse forty-five and forty-six. Um, Verse 44 onwards It says And while Peter yet spoke these words The Holy Ghost fell on all of them Which heard the word And they of the circumcision Which believed were astonished As many as came with Peter Because the Gentiles On the Gentiles also Was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost Look at that It says While Peter was yet speaking The Holy Spirit fell on them And says The next verse says The Holy Spirit was poured out The gift of the Holy Spirit Was poured out on them And how did they know The next verse says For they heard them Speak with tongues And magnify God So what was the evidence That the Holy Spirit came upon them They heard them speak with tongues Here in this incident You will will not see It mentioned that tongues of fire came There was not fire no, you don't see anything like that written here. Yes, on the day of Pentecost it came, because that was the first outpouring. That was the first time the Holy Spirit was given. But here, following that, this is the same Bible, the same book. Just a few chapters later, the first incidents where unbelievers are receiving the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is coming upon them. You see, the only evidence given here is, they all spoke with tongues. Hallelujah. And Paul said, in First Corinthians chapter 14, verse 5, he said, I wish that you all spoke with tongues. said, I wish, I desire, I would, that all of you, the whole congregation, speak with tongues. And verse 18, He said, I thank my God, I speak with tongues more than you all. So is it the will of God? Yes, it is the will of God. Is it the will of God for everybody? Yes, scripture says, you all should speak in tongues. Hallelujah. So, what is the reason for this power? A powerful witness of the resurrected Christ. Tomorrow is outreach. So that's why we are talking about this. We are going out to preach the gospel. We are going out to people. So, the first thing we need to know if you speak in tongues, you have already received the power to be a witness, a powerful witness of the resurrected Christ. The power, you have the power inside you, upon you, to prove that Jesus is alive. We need to understand that. We have received the power to prove that Jesus is alive. That's why we need to be praying in tongues. That's the evidence. What is the evidence that you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit? What is the evidence that you have received power from on high? You speak in tongues. You speak in tongues. There are many added benefits of speaking in tongues. But the primary reason of speaking in tongues is... That it is an evidence that you have received power. Many times you may have tried, before you have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, people may have tried going and sharing the gospel. But then it's like, uh, it's like you are just run out of fuel. You don't know what to share. You don't know what to do. But after you receive this, you need to understand, the primary reason you have been given this power is to be A witness of Jesus Christ. And what kind of power is this? Let's look at Ephesians chapter 1. What kind of power is this? We need to know what kind of power this is. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 19 says, What is the exceeding greatness of his power towards us who believe? Look at that. To whom is this power? For those who believe. And what does it do? According to the working of His mighty power which He wrought in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. So what kind of power is this? It's the same power that raised Christ from the dead. See, what happened to Jesus? We need to understand that. What happened to Jesus on the cross? Jesus came from God. His spirit was not dead. His spirit was alive, connected to God the Father. Now, on the cross, when he became sin, his spirit was separated from God. The first thing that happened to Adam, what happened to Adam first? Spiritual death. When he, when he disobeyed God, his spirit died. His spirit was separated from God. So the same thing happened to Jesus. When he became sin, his spirit was separated from God. And then what happened? He died physically, and his spirit went to hell. His spirit went to hell. Now what did this power do to him? This power raised Jesus back from the dead. That means his spirit was made alive. This power of the Holy Spirit made Jesus' spirit alive. That's why Bible calls him, he is the first begotten from the dead. The first person to be raised from the dead. The first person to be spiritually alive The first person to be made spiritually alive The first person to be born again What did this power do? It made Jesus born again That same power is given to us Why? When you preach the gospel to someone This power is going to make that person born again He is dead spiritually And this same power is going to raise that person back from the dead he is dead spiritually, as you minister to him, as you preach the gospel to him, this power is going to raise that spiritually dead person alive. He's going to raise him back from the dead. He will become spiritually alive, born again. His spirit will now be connected to God. Are you seeing this? So it's the same power. It's not another power. When you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it is the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead coming upon you with the same power that raised Christ from the dead. So that same power coming upon you as you minister, that same power is going to raise that spiritually dead person alive. Going to bring him back from the dead. That's why we need this power. That's why each one of us has to be praying in tongues. So as you go to minister tomorrow, the first thing we need to understand, we have to be praying in tongues. Why? Because you are just charging at that generator. Jude chapter 1. Let's look at that. There's only one chapter. Verse 20. It says, But you, beloved, building yourself up on your most holy faith praying in the Holy Ghost. It says building yourself up the actual meaning is you're charging yourself. It's like your phone battery. See the phone is you you might be having the latest phone with all the latest uh, features, the best camera, everything totally loaded up, the highest amount of memory, everything but as long as there is no power in it, it is useless. All the power, all the features are there, the topmost model, but it is useless without power. So what is happening? When you connect it to to the wall socket, you are connecting it to power and the battery is charged. So what happens when you pray in tongues? When you pray in tongues, you're charging yourself. It says, you're building yourself on your most holy faith. What is your most holy faith? Your most holy faith is you believe Jesus is alive. You believed, you called upon Him. You believed without seeing that Jesus is alive, that He died for you, He paid the price for your sin, He went to hell, He rose again on the third day. He's alive and He's changing lives today. That's your most holy faith. So what happens when you pray in tongues? You are getting yourself more convinced and that power is going to flow out through you to share that faith of yours with somebody. That power that raised Christ from the dead is now flowing out of you and it will enable you to share your most holy faith with somebody that they will receive it. It will raise them from the dead. That's why we need this power. And as you minister, expect the sick to be healed. That's what Mark chapter 16 said. Let's look at that. Let's read it once again. We read it in the beginning, but somehow some part of it was missing in my notes. He says, Mark 16, we read verse 15, and go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature... It says, he that believes and is baptized is saved, but he that believes not shall be damned. Who is damned? The person who believes not. And then immediately, immediately when he, right after he talks about sharing the gospel, or preaching the gospel, he said in verse 17, These signs shall follow them that believe. See, remember, believing is connected to faith. These signs will follow them that believe. I I would like to put it this way. These signs will follow them that are sharing their most holy faith. What? It says, In my name they will cast out devils. They shall speak with new tongues. They will take up serpents. If they drink any deadly things, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. Look at that. All supernatural stuff. All supernatural stuff. None of the things mentioned here are natural. They are all supernatural. They are all a display of the power. Signs, wonders, miracles. We saw earlier in Romans that what is the evidence of the power of the Holy Spirit? Mighty signs and wonders. And then it says, chapter verse 19 says, Um... And the Lord spoke to them. He was received, received up to heaven, sat on the right hand of God. And verse 20 says, And they went forth, preached everywhere. So, what did the disciples do after this? They went, preached everywhere. And what did God do? The Lord working with them and confirming the word they preached with signs following. What is the word they preached? Their most holy faith, the gospel. That's their most holy faith. What is the greatest thing that you believe? It's not believing God for finances. The greatest thing that you believed is that Jesus died for you. The finished work on the cross. That that He died for you on the cross. He became sin for you. He died. He went to hell. He rose again the third day. And then He ascended and is seated at the right hand of God the Father. Because of that, I am a child of God. I can enjoy the sonship of God. You're saying that. That's your most holy faith. And that is what you're sharing. When for that, the Lord will confirm the word that you're sharing with signs following. That's why you need the power. Baptism in the Holy Spirit is not a small thing. It's not just simply speaking in tongues when you're in church, during praise and worship, or when you have nothing else to do. No. No. Yes, there are other benefits of speaking in tongues. We will cover that as we teach on the baptisms, continue it in in the following weeks. But primarily today what I want to focus is, it's not the other benefits of speaking in tongues. We need to know that it is the will of God for every believer to receive the power, to be a powerful witness of the resurrected Christ, to share your most holy faith, to share the gospel. And the Lord will confirm it with the manifestation of the power with signs and wonders. We need to believe this. And we need to be praying in tongues. So as a person going out and sharing the gospel tomorrow, you need to understand, you need to be praying in tongues. You are building yourself up to share your most holy faith with people. That's why if you look uh, the same chapter, Jude, chapter, in that chapter 1, we read verse 20 it says keeping yourself in the love of God for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life look at that unto eternal life so what is happening you keep yourself you pray and you keep yourself in the love of God in the compassion of God you look at people you see them with the same love and compassion that Jesus had Bible says, he looked at the multitudes and had compassion on them. He had compassion on them. He saw them as sheep without a shepherd. They are are as sheep who have gone astray. That's what Jesus felt. So as you pray in the Holy Spirit, as you pray in tongues you are building yourself in that power and you're keeping yourself in that love what happens when you look at people you see them with the same compassion that jesus had you see that love of god bible says in romans 5 verse 5 the love of god has been shed abroad in our heart by what by the holy spirit you have that love what is happening as you pray in tongues that love is what love is it the love of god that is inside us The love of God that the Holy Spirit poured inside our heart is now flowing out of you to the people. Compassion is flowing out. And you are bringing them into eternal life. That's why this is important. That's why we are empowered to be powerful witness of a resurrected Christ. It's very important. And to add to this, the Apostle Paul has given us certain prayers. That we have to pray. One very good prayer is the one in Colossians chapter 4. I, w- I personally prefer to pray it in the Amplified. It says from verse 2 onwards, Colossians chapter 4, verse 2 onwards in the Amplified, it says, Be earnest and unwearied and steadfast in your prayer life, being both alert. And intend in your praying with thanksgiving. And the same time pray that God may open a door for us, for the word, the gospel, to proclaim the mystery concerning Christ the Messiah. Look at that. It says, you pray. See, it started with prayer. Steadfast in your prayer life. And be alert. And pray that God will open a door for you to preach the gospel. To proclaim the mystery concerning Christ. And then the next verse says, That I may proclaim it, how? Fully. And make it clear. Speak boldly and unfold that mystery as is my duty. So it is the duty of every believer. What's the duty? To proclaim the gospel fully and make it clear, speak boldly and unfold that mystery. That's our duty. Every believer to go and speak it. Share it. And then it says, how do you do it? Verse 5 says, behave yourself wisely, living prudently and with discretion in your relations with those of the outside world, the non-Christians. Making the very most of your time and seizing or buying up the opportunity. It says, you have to behave wisely with the unbelievers. You cannot be harsh. You cannot impose anything on them. We cannot impose. We cannot say, you have to believe. If you don't believe, you will go to hell. No, we can't do that. We have to behave wisely. And see, it says, uh, with discretion. And then the next verse says, let your speech... At all times be gracious, pleasant and winsome. Winsome means it will win some. That's the meaning of the word winsome. That means as you speak, whatever words you are speaking, it is winning the people towards you. Whatever you are saying, it is winning. That's the meaning of that. Your speech all times should be gracious, pleasant winsome, and, and it says, seasoned as it were with salt. Now what does that mean? Seasoned as it were with salt. Now, all of us would have eaten food that was bland, without salt. It tastes weird. You don't like it. But the moment a little salt is added to it, the taste changes. And what happens? If it is so good, the taste lingers in your memory. Sometimes just thinking about it, your mouth waters. That's the power of that. So it is seasoned. So the person to whom you are sharing the gospel, they may not accept it then. But the way you spoke to them, the way you shared the gospel with them, that taste will stay in their mind. Man, there's something different about that person. He was just different. He is so good. That taste is lingering in there. They will go back but these thoughts will keep coming back. You sowed a seed, now that seed is slowly sprouting up. You see, and it says that you may never be at a loss and to know how you ought to answer anybody who puts a question to you. See, when you are gracious, when you are calm, when the way you speak, the power is also backing you and it will be to them like something they ate that is that taste is lingering in their mind they may not accept things before you, they may not say the prayer of salvation with you but something will remain they might put the questions before you but you will have the answers because you are going there with power you are going there with power so this is a very powerful prayer so I encourage everyone listening to me to be preaching, to be sorry, to be praying this prayer over themselves. Put your name there and pray, especially the one as it is mentioned in, in Amplified. It's very powerful. You can put your name there and pray this prayer. And you will see that the power of God is being confirmed. And one more advice is when we go to share, we should not. we should not be talking about hell and fire that cannot be quenched and worms that cannot die. Yes, that is true. That is true. But the best part is, we are not made for that. Hell is not made for man. It is made for the devil and his fallen angels. So it is a real place. Hell is a real place. But Romans chapter 2 verse 4 says, It is the goodness of God that leads men to repentance. It's not the anger of God. It's not the wrath of God. We can see Romans chapter 2 verse 4. It says it's the goodness of God. What is the goodness of God? The goodness of God is God loved us too much that he sent Jesus to die for us. So it's that goodness that we are sharing. When somebody is healed, when you lay hands on a sick person and that sick person is healed, what is that? It's the goodness of God. When the blind started seeing, what is that? It's the goodness of God. And when they see and experience the goodness of God, what will happen? They will repent. They don't have any other choice. They will change their thinking. They will turn their eyes towards God. So when you preach the gospel, tell them that, hey, God loves you. God is a good God. He loves you so much that He sent Jesus to die for you. To take your place. That's why this is important. So my my message is, as we go today, be praying in tongues, be prayed up, that God will open opportunities for you to share the gospel, that you will be able to speak the right words, you will have the right words to answer them, whatever questions they have, that your speech will be gracious and winsome. That you will not miss the opportunity. Whatever opportunity you get, you will recognize the, the, the opportunity. You will be alert, you will be prayed up, you will be, you'll be alert and you will catch hold of the opportunity and preach the gospel to them, the goodness of God and they will receive. And the power of God will flow through you to be a powerful witness of the resurrected Christ. That they will not have any doubt in them that Jesus is alive. So as we go, every opportunity, even if they don't accept, just lay your hands on them say, Can I just pray with you? It's okay, you don't believe. Is there anything that I can pray for you? Anything, any problem in your life that you are facing, can I just pray with you? You don't have to believe right now, but I can just pray for you. And use the opportunity to lay your hands on them and just pray. And when you lay hands, power is being uh, transferred something will definitely be passed on it's called the law of contact and transmission the power of God the same power that raised Christ from the dead is moving through you into them when you lay hands on the sick it's the same power that raised Christ from the dead flowing through you into that sick person that is healing them it's the same life of God that's why we need to be praying in tongues That's the first and foremost reason of the Holy Spirit coming upon us with the evidence of speaking in tongues. Share the gospel to be a powerful witness. I'll stop right now. But I believe we understood something. We understood why we have received this power. How we are supposed to share the gospel. Hallelujah. We will not put down any religion We are here only to share the goodness of God. We will not tell anybody that what you believe is wrong. No, no, no. We just tell them about the love of God. Share about the goodness of God. We pray for them. Then it's the goodness of God that went from us, that we displayed, that is going to touch them. Hallelujah. We are being good vessels for God to manifest His power. Hallelujah. I believe we understood this. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your Word. We thank you for your goodness. Thank you for the instructions that you have in your word for us, Lord so that we can be an, a, a powerful witness of the resurrected Christ. We can prove to people that Jesus is alive today and He is transforming lives today. Hallelujah. That He is here healing the sick, cleansing the leper, making the blind to see. Hallelujah. Causing the deaf to hear, the crippled to walk. Lord, thank you, thank you, thank you. That the same power that raised Christ from the dead is available for us because we believe. And as we go, as we preach the gospel, thank you that That you are confirming your word with signs and wonders. Thank you, Father. That our message will not just be words of human intelligence. But our words will be with power. Of the Holy Spirit confirmed with signs and wonders and miracles. Thank you, Father. Thank you. That we will share our most holy faith. Thank you, Lord. I praise you. I worship you. Thank you for your goodness upon us. We will be powerful witness of the resurrected Christ. In Jesus' name, Amen.